Hello, Retail Rundown listeners. I am your host, Julia Raymond Hare. Today, we are joined by Margot Conrose, the global CMO of Sky. Sky is a commerce intelligence platform, and Margot leads demand generation, branding, and communications for them. She has over 15 years of experience in marketing, branding, communications, and creative across enterprise, SaaS, and consumer industries. And she previously led the development and management of Sky's brand marketing for over four years before doing the same for the mobility app Spot Hero. Thank you for joining today, Margo. Excited to chat with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, today is going to be a fun one. For all of our listeners, we're going to talk a little bit about brand stunts. This one caused a lot of buzz earlier this month, Panera Bread. And you might remember from last year, they had a lot of buzz when they released their coffee subscription, which is still going on, although there hasn't been any reports I could find about how well that's doing. But we're talking about Panera Bread, and they released... (laughs) swimsoups.com. So it's not suits, it's soups, like the bowl of soup that you eat when you're at Panera. That is a site that has a few swimwear and pool accessories options, and they're dedicated to, drumroll please, the broccoli cheddar bowl. So that's the one that is a crowd pleaser. Margot, what do you think of this? I think it's very reflective of the ways that brands and, and retailers and restaurants are thinking about marketing these days. And kind of a challenge the old school, bring in the new school way of doing things, get attention in different and unexpected ways. And sometimes that means unexpected product associations or forays into new categories. I don't think that Panera is going into clothing. Like this is not going to be, you know, some kind of long-term experiment for them. But I think, you know, it's tough for a company like that to become part of the conversation on social media to get, you know, younger consumers talking about them or posting about them. And that's really, you know, the holy grail these days is how do you inspire the public to basically do your advertising for you by engaging with their peers and with their friends and their followers on social and other platforms. So I think that's what this was about. It's kind of funny, which is definitely as intended and remains to be seen what what they'll get out of it. It does remain to be seen. And Margo, you mentioned the goal behind this, obviously, is to get the public to do the advertising for Panera or any brand stunt. That's the goal. But sometimes you know, I looked up some examples for this episode, and it seems like the cost factor should be considered. I mean, there was one, and I know you have some that you'll share, but KFC in December 2020 had a lifetime mini movie. It was 15 minutes called A Recipe for Seduction. Mario Lopez was starring as a sexy Colonel Sanders. And on YouTube, it has almost 250,000 views of the trailer. So pretty decent. But I mean, that had to cost a pretty penny. You know, when you're working with retailers, how do you think about the ROI when it comes to brand stunts? Yeah, I mean, I think that you have to be very mindful of it. And sometimes it's about ROI in terms of what's a big sales bump that I can make happen by, you know, kind of becoming the center of attention for a brief period of time. If I'm Panera and I can sell a whole ton of broccoli cheddar soup in the month of July, what does that translate into in terms of dollars? Well, you know, maybe X and maybe, you know, you factor in the the swimsuits, swimsuits, soups, whatever (laughs) that they sell and they make like a little bit of incremental. It's probably overall nothing, you know, so material to warrant the cost of the stunt. But then when you look at, you know, what is kind of the network effect of the stunt and what's the trickle down effect of the stunt and how long do you get people kind of not only talking about your brand, but then piquing new customers' interests and suddenly the ROI can be much greater and start to justify the effort that goes into it. So I think 
it's really important for brands that are trying to consider this type of marketing to think about how can I test the waters a little bit and gauge how well something like this might work for my brand before I go all in KFC, hiring celebrity talent and whatnot style. (laughs) There's probably something in between that can give some rapid feedback to the brand about is this a good idea? Is this worth putting money behind? But I also will say, when you think about the grand scheme of where big brands place their big advertising bets, a lot of the time it's these expensive ad spots like on TV. And those don't prove immediate or super measurable ROI either. And so, you know, when you kind of compare to some of the other big budget items in the balance sheet, of advertising, something like this starts to make a little bit more sense because you can very quickly see what people are thinking and feeling and reacting to, as opposed to, you know, some of those other channels that are more about kind of just one-way conversations. It's definitely like a cost-benefit analysis, but you have to be creative both in terms of, you know, how you can do it while mitigating risk and also what type of ROI are you looking for? Are you looking for a bigger audience? Are you looking for engagement or are you looking for sales? I like that bigger audience engagement or sales. And you said mitigating risk is important. And I think if you look at the Panera Bread example, it seems aligned with their target demographic and also with the season being that it's swim soups. What are some things that you mentioned in terms of mitigating risk and balancing wanting to launch a great idea quickly and while the iron is hot, so to speak, versus making sure it's the right idea? Yeah, I mean, timeliness is extremely important here. You know, smaller scale brand stunt that happened this week was by Mercado Libre, which is the big Amazon type retailer in Latin America. And while Jeff Bezos went to space this week, you know, in his own spaceship for fun or whatever, Mercado took advantage of that moment to, you know, kind of update their homepage with all this space imagery. And they poked a lot of good humored fun at Jeff Bezos and by extension, Amazon, which is in many ways their competitor for being such a one percenter. So they did a lot of like quippy lines on social media about cool, you go explore space. We're going to help the rest of us who are here on earth. And, you know, they talked a lot about the speed of their shipping. You know, by the time Jeff Bezos went up and came down, a lot of customers had already received their packages. So, you know, that's an example of an activation that has very low risk when you think about it, because, you know, there's not, they didn't put much money behind it. It's just about disruptive marketing in terms of the messaging and using the assets they already had to send the right message. Very timely, but also taps into something that does invoke emotion, which is really the key to getting through to customers is to make them feel something. So people have a lot of opinions about Jeff Bezos going up to space and Mercado Libre said, let's take advantage of that and you know play into it. But without spending a ton of money, we can do a lot of brand positioning and kind of persona communication. Mm -hmm. And hats off to them. (laughs) Yeah, creative. And, you know, nobody was hurt. I mean, I think nobody was hurt is not a small thing when you think about these brand stunts. Some like older examples, and I think for sure companies have gotten better at mitigating risk over the last few years. But there have been some really famous ones in history that have been massive fails. In 1986, United Way did this big fundraising stunt to kind of raise a lot of money by releasing millions of balloons into the air in an attempt to break a Guinness World Record. And what happened was horrible. I mean, they didn't account for weather. 
wind blew balloons north of the city and then it started to rain and all the balloons started to fall. And that caused the runway at the airport to shut down and prevented the Coast Guard from finding two fishermen who had fallen off their boat because it had restricted the visibility over the water so much having this, you know, balloon cover blocking the light. And they died. This big brand stunt turns into a massive disaster and a, you know, PR mess. And then on a smaller scale, you have things like more recently, Airbnb during the pandemic They did this thing where they tried to launch what they called kindness cards, which were supposed to be encouraging guests to write essentially like thank you notes to hosts that they had stayed with. People did not like that feeling of who are they, you know, Airbnb, who has kind of killed a lot of hospitality industry players. And like we're in the middle of a pandemic telling us to thank our hosts, a lot of mockery and a lot of criticism on social media. So that's a different type of risk, right? And brand safety. Sure. Those are both great examples, Margo. I mean, the United Way one, it's it's like, what could go wrong with balloons, right? And uh, literally everything that could go wrong with balloons. And the Airbnb one, yeah, that's just, I mean, that feels a little bit like they could have avoided that. I mean, it's an exchange of services between hosts and guests. So I'm not sure why the thank you note campaign was born, but this isn't necessarily a brand stunt. But sometimes I think even though there's backlash, it actually still helps the brand in some ways because you remember the PepsiCo commercial with Kendall Jenner, but that is still getting so much play on, you know, the meme streams and people. So their brand is still being shown. I don't know if it necessarily impacts people's decision if they're going to go with a Pepsi product or not. You know, you're bringing up something that I've been thinking about quite a lot lately, which is like, you know, there's this old adage that no press is bad press. Like as long as you're getting brand awareness out of something and your name is present and you're top of mind, even if it's for negative reasons, eventually the, you know, the sentiment or the negativity is going to die down. And what's going to be memorable is your brand. And that was really a wisdom in marketing for decades. And I'm really skeptical of whether it's true anymore. I think people have changed so much. And, you know, as consumers, our expectations of brands have changed so much. Our relationships to brands have changed so much. And we have so many more options than we ever had. So, you know, in terms of who we give our money to and who we do business with. So now I think actually, you know, Bad press is bad. If you're seen as, you know, kind of insensitive or not thoughtful in terms of the risks or selfish or vain as a brand, I think that stuff can have really detrimental effects today, unlike in the past, because everything spreads like wildfire on social media. You know, younger generations are highly attuned to morals and ethics and values in brands, and they want to kind of see their own values reflected back. So I think it's a different game today. Just because something kind of made the meme doesn't mean that it's a good look or helpful, and it can do a lot of harm. That's a really good—I think that could start quite the debate among the marketing folk out there because—and media as well— just it's hard to say, but I think you're right in terms of me agreeing with you with the generational changes. And it's harder to hide now. Like you said, it's all over social media. It spreads like wildfire. Moreover, people should just, you know, 
have a little bit more of a meter as to putting out things that do align with their brand values. Brands also have like so much more intelligence at their disposal right now. They have so much more data to work with to make these decisions. So you don't have to guess, you know, what consumers are going to feel. There's really not that much excuse for Airbnb getting it so wrong for their EQ being so low on something like that because the data is available. The insights are there about what consumers are feeling, what's kind of the pulse about different issues, what are key opinion leaders saying and how do brands feel about your brand versus other brands and what do they expect from your brand and how to feed into those expectations in a positive way. If brands are sophisticated, they're already using those kinds of levers. There's accessing all those signals and they're making much more informed decisions before they go into one of these areas and take a risk with guerrilla marketing or a stunt or something like that. And if they're not, then they probably aren't ready to take a risk which can have huge reward if it goes well. If it goes well, right. If you thought of every angle to make sure that it's it has the right tone and message that's coming across to all groups. I will say, I remember what I was going to ask. Abercrombie & Fitch is an interesting one that bounced back a bit through social media because for a while they were a retailer that was doing really poorly. I think someone at their company said something bad about overweight people and and now they're an all-inclusive brand. They have a ton of influencer marketing programs from what I can tell on social media. And it just... It's interesting how they were able to turn around. But what about Victoria's Secret? Because that's been in the news a lot recently. Just what's your take on if they'll be able to have a turnaround with consumers? I'm very curious, you know, to see what happens there. I think when some of these brands like Abercrombie or Victoria's Secret all of a sudden get this huge amount of backlash for something negative when, you know, that thing has probably been happening for a long time or been out of sync with the broader culture for a long time, but suddenly it gets exposed and they just feel the pain really sharply. All of a sudden, they do have these huge growth opportunities because they do have attention. They have a forum. So once you have an audience, you know, you have an opportunity to pivot and to tell that audience how you intend to do so and to grow. And people will be watching and paying attention, which is, you know, a different universe for like how we grow as people behind the scenes. You know, not everyone's waiting to see what we make of ourselves. But with brands that have big audiences, people are interested. So I think Victoria's Secret had to change. There was no continuing that way. And the question is, can they tap into today's customer for lingerie and still have a unique brand persona? There's been a lot of D2C brands that have launched in in their categories and have been extremely successful because they're super tapped into their specific customer and their highest expectation customer. Victoria's Secret is going to have to carve their own identity out when their identity used to be something else, you know, kind of so specific and known. That's a great point. <laughs> the competition out is rough. All the D2C players that you mentioned. I mean, they have the resources. They have the audience. They have the stage, actually, literally in their case, you know, <laughs> they, they have the stage. So it's just a question of, do they have the savvy? Do they know how to use data? Do they know how to listen to the market instead of talk at the market and tell the market what they should want and look like and feel like. And I don't think every brand can do that turnaround. Uber did it, right? Uber had some big fiascos and, you know, big PR disasters and and turned it around with a fantastic CEO kind of leading that culture change. 
but not every brand can do it. Pivoting back to brand stunts, we've talked about the things that have gone wrong, a few that have gone right, but are there any other examples that you can share with our retail listeners about ones that were successful? There's one that is very recent that did a really beautiful brand stunt, and it's a CBD brand called Charlotte's Web. It's not their first time that they've done one of these kind of stunt you know, marketing activations, but their big brand identity is removing or countering any remaining stigma that there is out there around CBD-based products and health effects or health associations. So they like to tap into the, you know, kind of active athletic community to sort of bridge that perception gap, I guess. So they did an activation that took them two years to produce, really, which was that they gave climbers or, you know, or riders or hikers that made it to the top of the 400-foot Castleton Tower, which is a big landmark in Utah overlooking the Moab Desert, really spectacular views at the top. They installed a vending machine dispensing their CBD hemp-infused balms and oils and, you know, products for the purpose of soothing overtaxed muscles from the athletes and hikers that made it to the top. So, you know, kind of this free product at the top. It's really cool, mainly because they filmed it all and they produced the journey of getting the vending machine to the top of the mountain, just an incredible logistic feat, right? And they had to hire professional climbers and do all kinds of cool stuff. And just the views are just spectacular. They also then kind of filmed the reactions of various types of climbers getting to the top and finding it and using it. And it's just beautifully done with kind of a serious tone. And it it all came out very inspiring, you know, not really what you think about for CBD. And I just thought it was really beautifully executed, clearly expensive, clearly like a big undertaking, but clearly they know what they're doing. They were going for a vibe. They had a very clear vision they got buzz, they got the message that they wanted to get across. Because a lot of times stunts don't have a message. You know, it's kind of like, hey, we want attention. Yeah, shock value, buzz. They don't really have like a point of view. I think this one did. And for that reason, I think it was pretty special. It's worth looking up that video. Super special with Charlotte's Web. I was surprised when you started telling a story because a vending machine on top of a mountain overlooking the desert <laughs> it just sounds crazy. That's amazing. It's amazing that they did that. And emotions must be so high when you get to the top of your climb, you know, just that feeling that you get. And then to have that forever be a little bit associated with that brand because you interacted with it right then. Yes. Yes. And emotion is incredibly important in, you know, in the stuff you have to tap into something that people are feeling or make them feel. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to get the intended reaction of engagement and buzz. If you're a retail brand or any brand really, and you're thinking about, you know, is this type of marketing right for me? right for my brand? Can I tap into new audiences with some kind of you know stunt or, or guerrilla marketing effort? Think about being authentic. Think about having a point of view and a message and tapping into the emotions on the other side. Know your customer beyond just your customer base. Like Know what the vibe is out there about certain issues. Because if you're going to touch any kind of hot issues, do Tread it with care. Carefully. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's not to say don't do it, by the way, because, you know, it's a great way to be seen as more relevant than you might be ordinarily viewed as, you know, and to win some customer love and and ultimately loyalty if you do it right. But do it, 
eyes wide open and carefully with Intel. And then, you know, obviously consider the logistics. So, you know, with this Charlotte's Web, they used the logistics to their advantage. They made the logistics part of the story. Getting that vending machine to the top of the mountain is as, if not more interesting to watch, you know, the way they filmed it, (laughs) than people engaging with the vending machine at the top of the mountain. If something is a heavy lift on the logistics side, then get more out of that. Make that work to your advantage. And if you're not there yet, then think of low risk ways to engage and make a difference like Mercado Libre with kind of just tapping into the Jeff Bezos buzz and stealing some of his thunder. And Margo, are there certain times that are, I mean, is it seasonal? How do retailers or brands decide when is the right time to do something like this? It's a great question. Um, I guess I can answer from my own experience. When I was at Spot Hero, we were given the charge as a marketing team to one, make use of the holiday season and make a lot of noise around the holidays when, you know, holiday parking was very much in demand and, you know, our our product was very much in demand in new ways than it is the rest of the year. And two, we had certain growth objectives as a company and we were being given the directive, like we want a growth hack right now. We want to do a big marketing push and see if we can acquire X new customers and you know, in a short amount of time. And we went about it in a variety of ways, but we kind of attacked both of those goals with two different brand stunts. And one of them was successful and one of them wasn't. And I think, you know, at least through certain lenses. And I think it can kind of help you understand, you know, what to consider, but then also like when to do what. So you know, one thing that we did around trying to just do a big growth hack was we put out a, to the press that we were going to pay every parking ticket in the city of Chicago for a specific day. Part of our message there was there's no reason to still be getting parking tickets. Like what a waste of money when you have so many, you know, smarter ways to do things. And we believe in this so much that, you know, we'll we'll cover your parking ticket and hopefully you convert over to our way of living life and avoiding them in the future. And it was really successful because all we did is put out this statement, right? We did we did the math, we did the calculus about what we expected to actually have to end up paying. And we got a ton of buzz and press coverage and social media, you know, postings and just basically goodwill, brand goodwill without having to actually in the end pay that much because, you know, we said you had like two weeks to submit the parking ticket, and we didn't actually get that many that we ended up paying for. Margo, that is an impressive example. I mean, the fact that you were on the team that came up with that or that you led that is amazing. And it makes so much sense because if you were someone that got a parking ticket and you were able to get that paid by someone else, you're definitely going to post about it. Yeah. And then actually, like, not everybody actually even submitted them in the end. So, you know, that also kind of taps into understanding what people feel versus what they actually do. Less successfully around Christmas time, we planted a bunch of Santas around the city that were dressed in blue instead of red Santa outfits head to toe. We hired a bunch of people to do it. And, you know, we kind of made this social media stunt that was like, go find the blue Santas and take a selfie with them. And there was some kind of promotion around it. And what we didn't factor in was that it could and and did happen to be an excruciatingly cold day, the day that oh. we hired everybody. So we had these like, you know, 25 people ready to go in their Santa outfits, but they were like ice cubes by midday. And it just felt like wrong to leave them out. So 
stuff like that, um, where it's really, like you're actually not- turning blue. Come inside. Yes. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> it's not a good look for us to have these people like freezing out there. So if, if something is inflexible and that it's really dependent on a specific point of time and there are factors out of your control, like weather, I think we learned a lot from that. Yeah. And it sounds like it was still... I mean, mildly successful people engaged, right? So there's something to be said about that. I think the parking ticket one, I don't want to sound like one of those people, but I swear I saw that covered in the news. Certainly excellent points from the chief marketing officer of Sky, Margot Conrose. It was great to have you on the show today, and I hope to have you on again in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was really, really fun to talk about. Great to be here. You've been listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. If you would like to be considered as a guest on our show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. For sponsorship opportunities, send us an email at media at rethink.industries. You can help support our team at Rethink Retail by dropping us a rating and review on your iTunes podcast app. To each and every one of you, thanks so much for tuning in. Retail never sleeps. See you next week.